0: Patrick, my brother, it is so good to see you, man. I just, I just said all of this stuff before we started recording, but we'll say it for the record, man. I'm so happy to see you, brother. How you been? I've
1: been, I've been great, man. Um, I've been telling this to everybody that that like who I haven't seen in a while. Like any day that I'm not disabled with fucking headaches and confusion and memory loss and blurry vision is a beautiful day. So it's a fucking
0: beautiful day. Oh, dude, yeah. So let's just jump right into it. So for people listening, I want to give a little bit of history. Me and me and Patrick used to be training partners. We used to beat the shit out of each other in the gym. Um, Patrick is a very, very, very uh, 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 experienced and capable kickboxer. Uh, but you, you stopped uh, with uh, training Muay Thai because of head injuries so why don't we jump into that because you sustained a pretty serious head injury and and spent a long time recovering so uh, uh tell the listeners you know how that how that brain injury happened and all of the other brain injuries and really what what led you to where you are now
1: yeah sure so my whole life I've been super active played a bunch of sports got several concussions from football soccer cliff jumping just just activities um and all of the head injury history culminated in uh march of 2020 when i was uh snowboarding in an out of bounds area flew off a cliff smashed my face against a a a tree stump apparently i don't remember Um, was unconscious for a couple minutes fractured my face um, and had to get uh, carried out Um, and that led me on a really The most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, which was this two-year recovery phase that I had to go through, uh, trying to navigate the healthcare system, trying to navigate through my own disability. Um, uh, All the while, uh, freaking out the whole time that I'm already in the double digits of concussions. And this last one, even on an MRI, showed that I got scar tissue in my frontal lobe. Um, so then I was, so obviously you're, you're that level of disabled and you know, your history of concussion. So you're just freaking out and nobody, you can't get help from the healthcare system because it's so fucking broken, especially when it comes to, uh, treating concussion patients. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's been a journey, man, over the last two years, but I'm feeling great now coming out of it. Um, just honestly, man, just so grateful to, to, to get back to work, be able to help people get healthy, help athletes perform at their best. Um, and obviously for myself, being able to do all the things that I love, actually being able to be there for my family and my friends and actually having the ability to do the things that I love, whether it's kickboxing again, I don't spar anymore, obviously, but whether it's kickboxing, jujitsu, soccer, whatever, it just feels great to, to be just functional again.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we probably should have started with this, but please tell everybody what you do for a living and and where, where you specialize.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a strength and conditioning coach essentially a glorified personal trainer that just gives me the title that I can train athletes. Um, And I've been doing it for uh, a decade now. Um, And honestly, I don't, my my specialization is in treating the entire human. So if I have like a soccer player in front of me, he's not really a soccer player. I look at the whole human first, how their relationships are, how their mental health is, how the physical health is, how their habits are, how their movement patterns are how their nutrition is. So I look at the whole human and that's kind of my specialty is to treat human first and work towards the specialization that my clients are looking for. Yeah. Zoomed out, move into a more zoomed in perspective.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, for me you've been a massive source of information like if i if i have a question i go to instagram i go to thoughtful meathead which is your instagram uh, page and i'll literally go through videos until you touch on exactly what i'm looking for because you're probably the only guy in your field that i that i completely trust you're you you have such a wealth of knowledge as it comes when it comes to body mechanics the way your body responds to certain workouts certain routines diet i mean For anybody out there who's 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 looking for information on this stuff, I really, really recommend uh, Pat's uh, uh, Instagram account, uh, Thoughtful Meathead. He covers the gamut and and, you know, and you're a very intelligent guy as well. You're very well read. Um, you, you, you focus a, a lot on the mental side of things, which I think is something that a lot of people miss. I think a lot of people miss that, that mental component to, 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 to health, right. Um, you know, we, we put a lot of focus on our appearance and on the way that we look and the way that we, that we feel physically, but, but mentally there's, that's, that's a whole other realm that a lot of people don't pay any attention to.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. It's all wrapped up into one thing. And, um. To be honest, like the mental and physical kind of separation shouldn't even exist. Whatever is occurring to you physically is going to manifest mentally. Whatever is occurring to you mentally is going to cause some kind of physical manifestation. It's the whole fucking thing, man. The whole human needs to be treated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so when you when you sustained your injury snowboarding, how far did you fall, Pat?
1: to say i do remember waking up in uh tangled up in branches so i didn't fall the whole way down which is awesome um but i remember looking up and i don't know off the top of my head maybe 20 feet 30 feet maybe and then below me same thing maybe 20 30 feet below me um so it was great that i got knocked out on a tree stump and ended up getting tangled up in the tree um it really could have been so much worse no have i shown you this dude i haven't shown you this i keep this in my gym um, just to remind myself to not be an entitled fucking prick, sometimes. Yeah,
0: let's see it. Let's see it, man. And for everybody watching, this is Pat's gym. It's it's awesome.
1: Uh, so I got this water bottle, right? So I yeah. always I always snowboard with a pack on, like a small pack, and so the water bottle is obviously right there, right on my spine. Right. And so when I was in the uh, when I was in the the hospital, um, and I was just laying in the bed, um, this was right about they were about to discharge me. I looked into my snowboarding backpack, and I was like, "Oh, fuck, wow, dude! Look at this shit!"
0: Wow. So for people who are, for people who are listening on audio only, the the water bottle it's a what would you say is that aluminum or steel? That's a steel water bottle, right?
1: I think it's a yeah, it's a hydro flask. So I think it's steel. Aluminum, so, I don't know.
0: So it's basically bent right in half, and that was from the impact when you landed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't remember any of this, right? So it's like you wake up, or not wake up, you're in the hospital, you check your bag, and you're like, oh, damn, this could have been my fucking
0: spine, dude. No shit, so I, man.
1: So as I said, man, it's, uh, I like keeping it in the gym. It's a nice reminder when you're tired, and you're fucking cranky, and when you're just acting like a little fucking pussy, for lack of a better <laughs> term. You right, just, right. I mean, you, you. I just look at it, and I'm like, oh life is actually really good, man. Really, yeah. really
0: good. No. Uh, yeah. So, so talk about your head injury, your brain injury, you started experiencing symptoms like right after, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they got worse and worse. So this, the main symptoms were just an extreme intolerance to any kind of movement. So for example, every time I would walk, even taking a step when my foot would hit the ground, I could feel the vibration coming all the way up my skeleton and up into my brain, and it would cause a severe migraine. Same with like, I couldn't drive for about a year and a half because every little bump in the road would cause the same kind of reaction. And the dangerous part was, obviously a severe migraine always sucks. You can't think straight, your memory is gone, your mood is gone, you, you, just, you just can't function. It's a fucking migraine. Uh, but what made it worse is that the migraines were always accompanied by plurivision. So my vision would just go completely double, which is obviously one another reason why I just couldn't drive for a year and a half um, or really walk. So I was kind of like under a like self-imposed house arrest for a year and a half, and it was pretty rough. Um, so those were the main symptoms, just headaches that were triggered by just movement, things that were too loud, uh, bright lights, um, and extreme blurry vision.
0: Wow. And so... Um, Now, was this the result of that one injury? Or was it the accumulated uh, concussions that that led to that? Because I remember when you and I were training together, you stopped sparring for about a year before I left, we both left the gym that we were at. Um, So you had taken a series of concussions, you know, leading up to that. And and so were those symptoms presenting themselves before the, 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 the main injury?
1: Not then, the movement intolerance a little bit. Like sometimes it would, at that point that you're talking about, when uh, that was so far, that was so long ago. That was like <laughs> maybe like 11 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Uh, when, I stopped, when I stopped sparring um, was, because I was noticing every time I would, if it was a hard enough heavy bag, every time I would crack it, similar to when I was walking, right? The vibration would just go through my skeleton. And I would just feel it. It would just trigger a headache. So no blurry vision though, but that was when I knew I was like, okay, I, gotta, I really got to chill on on all this head injury stuff
0: yeah no kidding so okay so man yeah I remember that like I remember showing up to the gym one day and being like hey because I I, dude you were one of my favorite guys to spar with you're so crafty so sharp so skillful so I asked you I was like hey man um you want to throw wrap up and and let's go and you're like I can't I can't spar anymore and dude i so so did they so was your injury diagnosed? Like, is there a specific diagnosis for the brain injury that you had? Yeah, I, they,
1: would, they would call it now a, uh, what is it? Because you got your mild traumatic brain injury, which means that you got hit hard enough that it causes extreme symptoms like confusion, dizziness. Uh, you might even throw up. Um, and then you've got your severe uh, brain injury, which means that uh, you're in a coma. I'm somewhere in the middle because as I said, uh, I got hit hard enough that it fractured my, my skull essentially. And um, it ended up a couple months later showing that I had developed some scar tissue in my frontal lobe. So it was somewhere between a mild and a severe traumatic brain injury is what they would classify as.
0: So medium traumatic brain injury. I think
1: I actually think medium is the, is the actual medical term they use.
0: So, so let's talk about your recovery because um, you know, this is the real interesting part. You, uh, we spoke on the first iteration of this podcast while I think you were still working on, on the recovery. Uh, What, what did you do to, to recover from this? Because brain injuries are not, it's not like breaking an arm or, you know, pulling your calf muscle. They're, they're permanent, man. Those are forever. So, so how did you, what was the regimen that you put yourself through to, to get yourself to where you are today?
1: For sure. Uh, It was, Every day, meditating two or three times a day, twenty to thirty minutes at a time. Every single day, making sure my sleep hygiene is on point. No screens two hours before bed. I'm re- if I can, I'm reading before bed, or at least I'm doing some breathing exercises, listening to some real chill music. Um, my diet was very it sim- was a ketogenic esque diet, um, because there's a lot of studies that show that it can manage neuroinflammation quite well. Um, And then the last piece of it was daily exercise. I couldn't um, through my year and a half of just being pretty disabled, I couldn't lift weights because the increase in blood pressure would trigger a lot of symptoms. Um, And I couldn't obviously do anything like bouncy, jump rope, running, walking, anything like that because it would trigger the bad migraines with the blurry vision. So I ended up buying uh, just an airdyne for my garage. Because that's, you know, you're just sitting there and you're just, you're just pedaling and, and moving your arms. Um, so I would do that usually twice, 30 to 60 minutes at a time uh, every day. And that was kind of my routine, man. Um, one of the most important parts, though, that's not really my, uh, uh, it's not really in my control, um, but was a huge, huge, huge factor to my recovery. I, I do not believe that I would have recovered to hundred percent if I didn't have this, because remember I was isolated at home. I couldn't go out for a walk. I couldn't drive anywhere. Um, so it was just extreme isolation, but all the time, every couple of days, um, friends would visit me, hang out, just chill, you know, watch some TV, shoot the shit, whatever. And just having that regular social interaction with people that I love was absolutely invaluable. Um, now, throughout this process, even though I'm checking off all the boxes, what's interesting is that my symptoms never improved. I was just kind of just trying to plug away, plug away, plug away every day. But after three months, there's no results. You're still as disabled as you were in month one. After four months, it's the same thing. After five months, it's the same thing. So you start going down this rabbit hole of, of fear that, oh, Jesus Christ, I have actually caused so much damage to my brain over the, my life. That this is just fucking permanent now and so i started to freak out and and um started to just to just try to go to any kind of healthcare specialist that i could get my get a hold of so i spoke to two or three i spoke to three different neurologists um and they all gave me the sage advice that this may be permanent and that you should probably go on pain meds for the rest of your life and antidepressants Um, which obviously I was not willing to go down that route. And then, um, of course, your GPs and your family physicians don't know much about concussion other than to tell you to, if it's really bad, take a Tylenol, which did fuck all for me, um, and to try to rest and avoid the triggering activities as much as possible. So I was getting all of these pieces of information or pieces of advice from trusted healthcare professionals that would only make me worse and that was until I discovered uh, a guy named Dr. Uh, Jesus Christ, me, Dr. Cameron Marshall. So he's the CEO of Complete Concussion Management, which is a well-respected, uh, uh, I guess, concussion clinic in North America. And I started to to dive into his content. And I started to go back and forth sometimes even with, with email, asking him all these questions about, concussion and he would say the exact opposite of what these healthcare professionals were saying he would talk about things like how mindfulness and being in the present moment is the key to getting over your symptoms and that these symptoms whether it's the blurry vision or the headache is not because necessarily that the structures in my brain are damaged it's because my brain is freaking out and 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 feels that the external environment is not safe similar to ptsd right you get knocked or or you you, you you're 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 uh, you're in the iraq war and your buddy fucking died right beside you got shot and so now every time you're back in you're back in canada every time you're driving and you hear a loud fucking noise it triggers that memory of, of the gunshot or whatever and everything locks up you get a headache you get blurry vision your ears start ringing everything like that similar with concussions that's why you, you get the symptoms of blurry vision or migraine when you get the bright lights in your face or when you get the loud sounds or when you get uh, a little bit too much excessive movement, whether you're bouncing up and down or whatever, because your brain thinks, oh shit, here comes another impact. We better create a bunch of symptoms to just put Pat in his place, to sit him the fuck down so that we don't get injured again. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I can actually, I can add to this because, um, as a young guy, I went through a period of severe depression, like severe depression, um, and, uh, paralyzing anxiety. This was, you know, 20 years ago when I was maybe 19, 20 years old, um, I developed a horrible anxiety disorder. Um, but it was, it stemmed from depression and, uh, The attacks that I would have, I would go to the hospital, you know, uh, there was a three month period where I was in the hospital every three, three or four days, because my body was actually simulating a heart attack, I wasn't actually having a heart attack, but I felt like all the symptoms of a heart attack were there. And what ended up happening to me was that I developed. Um, this is going to, and this has no relation to the safe spaces of today, but I actually developed like mental safe spaces where I felt safe. And so, for example, like my mom's house was a safe space for me. I felt okay there. I could function and operate normally. But if I went, say, went out for a walk and I got more than like half a block away, I would start to get anxiety because I was detached from that place. And it was my body, my brain, basically sending a a a panic alert to my body to just basically say like you're not okay you're not safe here and um I I I went through that for the worst like at the, the 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 worst at the peak of it was like four months where I was in the same scenario as you for different reasons I was completely isolated completely insulated um I actually started to to, to have some delusional, uh, some delusions and things like that, because basically what the doctor explained to me, I saw this really good, a similar situation to yours. I would go to the hospital, they'd hook me up to ECGs, EKGs, all that, you know, monitor my heart, and they'd be like, no, you're fine, and just send me home with no explanations. And then I remember there was one doctor who prescribed me Ativan. Or no one doctor who prescribed me antidepressants and 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 I was on the same level as you. I'm like I'm not taking those. And then I went to the hospital one night and there was a doctor there who was finally a good doctor. And he basically sat me down and was like, "Listen, here's what's going on. You are dealing with something inside of your own mind. Nobody can fix it. Nobody can take it out of you. You're the only person who can who can who can solve this problem." And you're going to keep coming here and keep coming here. And we're going to keep telling you the same thing that nothing's wrong because nothing's wrong, but there is something wrong and it's mental. And it's, it's a puzzle that you have to figure out on your own. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prescribe you at If you need it, take it. But I recommend you do not take it. Don't take it. Figure this out on your own, because if you start taking the pills, you will become dependent on them for the rest of your life. You will never get away from the pills. And dude, I'm telling you the next day I got out of bed and I was like, okay, I have to figure this out. And I forced myself to walk two blocks to the community center and get some, and, and just do a very basic workout routine. And those two blocks i'm telling you man was like was like walking 100 miles for me at that point because just to get half a block away from from my mom's house was was ho- like i was was impossible to walk two blocks was like scaling you know the himalayas you know what i mean like it was it was i i couldn't believe i know, I did exactly,
1: it. What mean, I know right. exactly what you mean
0: actually right right and so um i started doing exercise. And I, I, I st- like not started, but I, I went back to getting exercise and and just doing like, you know, basic workouts and and slowly but surely over time, the the anxiety faded away. But it, it was also because I was leaving those safe spaces. I was I wasn't confining myself in, in, to where I felt safe. I was taking risks and pushing myself beyond boundaries that I had set for myself. Right. And so. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It yeah you, you, you kind of had to put press beyond like what you thought was 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 possible, and 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 kind of put your brain in those scenarios and retrain your brain to not send those signals anymore.
1: That's yeah, dude. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. That's in a nutshell. That is exactly what good concussion rehab should look like uh, after the acute stages. So just to uh, I guess clarify real quick, uh, when you get concussed, there is obviously a, a short window of time. 30 to 90 days, where your brain actually has to physically heal. But after that time, let's say after 90 days, your brain is physically it's golden, it's fully healed. So all of the symptoms that you're experiencing are in your head. And here's the kicker: that there's such a stigma with mental health these days that when you tell concussion patients that, hey, this stuff is actually just a manifestation of your anxiety. Then right away the automatic reaction is is to recall no I don't have fucking anxiety what do you mean dude I'm a fucking savage like but no man like the 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 ability for your mind to manifest physical symptoms which is what happened to me and which is what happened what happens to tens of thousands of people that are still suffering with their concussion symptoms to this day it's real man and it doesn't mean you're less of a person because you feel it. It just means that your brain or it's just it just goes to show that your brain is an amazing or or amazing organ that is designed to protect you. And it is doing this thing. It is causing these physical symptoms because it doesn't believe that you are safe. And that's a good thing because that's what your brain is supposed to do. You just have to understand that. It is fucking safe out there. And just like you said, you actually have to put in the work to slowly over a long period of time, retrain your brain, retrain your brain and desensitize yourself to all of these things that are causing the physical symptoms.
0: Yeah. So I've heard Joe Rogan and others talk about, you know, when guys get too many concussions that, that that's when they become punchy and their brain just shuts off when they, when they get hit. Um, is there any truth to that or is that again like is it a mental thing or is it actually like a defense a defense mechanism in the brain to just shut off when you take a when you take a hard punch
1: it is all of this is up in the air right now there are some good working theories around it Um, after working with and again i would refer always to dr cameron marshall of complete concussion management this guy has spent his entire life combing through all the available research which can be extremely blurry and 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 nuanced at times and he's amalgamated it into a good working model of what long-term concussion symptoms are so to answer your question of like boxers that get punchy kickboxers mma guys that get punchy and they get clocked with something that that i don't know an eight-year-old girl could probably eat that punch and they go down and they're knocked unconscious based off of And I'm not quoting him, but based off of what I've learned from Dr. Cameron Marshall, it seems to me that that is the brain's automatic reflexive response to shutting off early because it doesn't want another concussion. Mm
0: -hmm. It
1: doesn't want another actual concussion where there's physical damage to the brain. So it's going to shut off early with a smaller impact because that impact isn't going to cause actual physical damage to the brain.
0: it's fascinating it's a defense mechanism essentially It's super fascinating
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of caveats don't get me wrong there's a ton of caveats for example if if you are a fighter who's gotten a severe traumatic brain injury or a series of brain injuries where there's actual physical damage to the structures of the brain i think that's a completely different story but when it comes to mild traumatic brain injury which is 90 percent of concussions When it comes to mild traumatic brain injuries, which again, the definition of that is you get hit to the head, you experience symptoms, but there's no actual physical damage that can be seen on an MRI or CT or anything. And that's the case for most knockouts in professional combat sports. When it comes to mild traumatic brain injury, if you rehab it properly, there's an argument that you should not get punchy. There's an argument for it. But again, this is all just a mental circle jerk because all of the research is very much up in the air right now. But but it's interesting. It's interesting stuff to learn that concussion symptoms are not due to physical damage in the brain.
0: Yeah, the, the, human that's brain. the that's the
1: that's the foundation of it. That concussion and the symptoms of concussion most of the time are not due to physical damage to the brain. It's your own brain re- overreacting to external
0: stimulus it's just crazy that, yeah, the the brain is such a, it's, it's such a mystery, right? The human brain, like we, we know very little about it. And it's, and it's, it's so strange, because it almost operates as an organ independent of your complete self, right? Like, it's, it's, it's almost like it's its own thing. That's, you know, part of this, this vehicle, but it's not, you know it maintains and 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 regulates everything but it almost it's it's almost like it has its own life which is strange right definitely
1: man the unconscious processes that you are not aware of that's all controlled by your brain yeah the fucking billions of red blood cells that recycle themselves every day your digestion where you don't have to think about it it just pushes food through but breaks it down assimilates it puts it back into your bloodstream yeah all those unconscious pro- where the fuck is that coming from i don't know
0: yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is that your your body is like a your body is an ecosystem, right? Like you think about all of the functions that the human body has within it. It's crazy that the brain is regulating all of it at the same time, right? Um, so I wanted to you mentioned something earlier, uh and 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 I, I kind of want to dig into this a bit. You mentioned not looking at screens for two hours before you sleep. Uh was there a specific reason why you why you did that
1: yeah for sure i mean there's so number one is the blue light um which in my personal experience i don't think is that big of a deal that disrupts sleep too much um but if you're getting a lot of blue light in the evening blue light is the frequency of light that tells your brain that it's daytime so if you're getting a ton of blue light from your screens in the evening your brain thinks that it's daytime so it's going to be much harder to fall asleep that's one of the reasons the, the other reason, which I think is a much, much, much more powerful reason to put your screens away uh, before bedtime, is just to prevent you from being a scatterbrained squirrel, if you will. You know, like we're always caught in this, in this cycle of whether it's like you're scrolling through YouTube videos or you're uh, 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 going through the catalog of what show you want to watch next on Netflix or of course the worst ones like TikTok where it's just straight crack cocaine dopamine bullshit as well as Instagram your brain is all over the place and it's going to be there's if you're constantly scrolling and you're on your screens and you're and you're and you're just surfing the web and you're getting this idea and that idea and this idea at like 2 second intervals back to back to back to back to back it's making your mind which i'm sure me and you can both uh, uh, attest to your mind can be a fucking war zone, especially if you've had a history of of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So now you're turning that scattered brain brain, you're amplifying it with so much different stimuli all over the place. that's that's so fa- it's coming at you so fast and with so much intensity that it turns that war zone ten times worse. Now it's almost like you're a subclinical schizophrenic, where it's like you're thinking about, oh shit, what's happening in Gaza? Next thought, oh, fuck, I got to do the dishes. I forgot my wife is going to kill me. Next thought, oh, shit, I just saw this fucking thing on Instagram. I'm too fat compared to that guy who's fucking shredded. I'm too fucking fat. I'm out of shape. I got to get my shit together. And your brain is just going all over the place. Instead of doing that, instead of scrolling for two hours and turning your brain into a subclinical schizophrenic mess, you could spend two hours trying to relax your brain and organize your mind and calm those thoughts and actually accept and feel the your the emotions and thought patterns that are coming into your body so -hmm. that then you can actually bring your physiology and your nervous system down to a level where you can actually have an extremely productive sleep a deep sleep
0: yeah yeah oh dude yeah i I mean like i don't watch movies or television anymore for the most part um and and i generally end my night reading I, i i read at night mostly so i i but I've noticed like if I interact with social media, I I don't go on Facebook or Instagram anymore. Really. I spend a lot of time on X just because, you know, that's where this podcast is. And, and, you know, I, I do all, most of my writing on Substack and X now, but I try to limit the amount that I'm, that I'm actually um, uh, exposed to because, because I have found that like, you know, there's so much happening in the world and You're getting you're getting bits and pieces of it. You're getting kind of breadcrumbs that if you follow them will lead you to the bigger story or to the to the bigger picture. But there's so many of them. It's like you're if you're if you're paying too much attention, it's like you're constantly following a million different breadcrumbs in a million different directions. And and I think your description of subclinical schizophrenia is actually the best I've ever heard. Because I think that's that's the most accurate way to to describe it. And I think because that's Because you
1: already have voices in your head. You already have voices in your head that are hard to fucking manage. Now you're adding a thousand more. Mm-hmm. So now it's just a fucking chitter. It's a yeah. Some clinical schizophrenia, man.
0: It's it it is. It really is, man. And and like I, I know, you know, like for myself, like I said, like I, I try to limit the amount that I'm exposed to or the amount of breadcrumbs that I follow just because you you follow one and then you follow another and then you're like, well, this is more important than this. And then this, and this, and like you said, you know, Gaza world economic forum, new world order, fucking, you know, <laughs> digital IDs. Like for me, that's what, that's what, that's what can happen to me. Right. If I spend too much time on X formerly known as Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll get really scattered because I'm like, I, you, you can only kind of, you only have enough time or enough or, or the ability to to kind of get a small piece of the information before you move on to the next thing or before the next thing is smacking you in the fucking head and so you know for me what i've done is i've really tried to just limit the amount that i that i absorb right um now i want to actually good this is a good good segue i want to talk to you about stress and and the 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 effects of stress on the mind and and the body because i think this this what you describe as subclinical schizophrenia is actually having just this just unprecedented unprecedented impact on us culturally i think social media has kind of led to where we are now culturally and in a lot of ways and and just the way that we interact with the world and i think a lot of people are extremely stressed out without even really knowing it because this has just become kind of become our mode of being right become Um, our
1: brave new normal
0: uh, br- there you go, right? That's that, there you go, man. Perfect. But, but it's become like just we just live in this permanent state of stress. Now, I'll tell my story. I taught, I talked about it in the solo podcast that I did. Um, but I'll, I'll cover it briefly. I, I went through extreme stress, uh, this last year and, uh, during the summertime. Again I was kind of found myself back in that place when I was experiencing paralyzing anxiety attacks except this time there was no anxiety I'm pretty sure that what I was feeling was actually what was happening and I was I was bloated I was my whole body was inflamed I wasn't sleeping when I did sleep I would just sweat like in my sleep just buckets like my entire sheets bed soaked through I was getting chest pains my fingertips on my left hand were going numb um, I was, I, w- I had to go to the dentist because I was clenching my teeth so bad that all my top teeth were breaking. And, um and, and I was, I've, I've never been in a, in a place like that before, where I kind of felt like I was, I was living moment to moment, just managing, just managing stress. That was what most of my life was. Um, now, I know, you know, a bit about this, but can you talk about the effect that stress has on the human body, like just, just the, just the level of magnitude that it can, that it can do to a person.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. If we are to work with, uh, again, it all starts from the mind, right. And your mind is the one that can either manage all of this perceived stress because that's really what it is, right. All of the things that you're experiencing are objective, right. But for whatever reason, your mind is perceiving all of it as a threat which then creates a cascading events or a cascade of inflammatory processes in the body that can range from extreme bloating. Your digestion can just shut down. Um, you Sweating at night is not necessarily an inflammatory process, but all of these processes where your body is freaking out, it just it's, gets stuck in fight or flight. So and because it gets stuck...
0: Something I want to actually, I forgot to mention... um. I I I was so stressed out. I w- I didn't shit for like two or three days at a time. Like I wouldn't. Yeah, for d- sure. Yeah, please. Continue. And that
1: totally makes sense because because the nervous system you can think of it as a teeter totter, right? You got on on the one side you got your uh, you got your sympathetic nervous system. On the other side you got your parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system. When your brain perceives all of the shit that you're going through in life as dangerous, you're sympathetic goes into overdrive. Well I guess it should be this way. Your sympathetic goes into overdrive. And what that means is if sympathetic is fight or flight, parasympathetic is rest and digest, you are now stuck in fight or flight. And what is what are all the symptoms of let's say you're a wounded animal in fight or flight? Sweating profusely. Having your digestion completely shut down. Not being able to not being able to think clearly because your 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 thinking has become so myopic because it's focused on the narrow dangers that, that it perceives. So you can't even think straight now because you cannot open into a more panoramic mode of thinking. Uh, you can't sleep because there's always danger. Why the fuck would you sleep when you have to keep your eyes peeled for the dangers that your brain feels are are around? Um, so in essence, all of these, even cold fingers, right? Your circulation goes away from your periphery and it goes more towards the core to protect the, 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 the important bits of your body, right? So all of these symptoms are just your brain stuck in fight or flight and causing all of these physical symptoms. Um, if these physical symptoms continue for long enough, then obviously the body cannot repair itself. And that's when you get chronic disease. Right. And the body can't repair itself because once again, parasympathetic is rest and digest. That's the time when you body heals itself and gets rid of old cells that are useless cancer cells just degenerative cells that are useless and it can actually start the process of becoming anabolic again and repairing itself well if that's shut down for a course of months years sometimes unfortunately for a lot of people even decades well then you start getting chronic disease you get your diabetes you get your rheumatoid you get your arthritis you get your, all your autoimmune conditions you get your you get your dementia. Cancer, you you know, cardiovascular disease, cancer, because you've just let that fucking teeter totter tip this way. And it's been, it's, it's been kept tipped this way for way too long. And your body just eventually, it just breaks down. So the root cause or the root like fix of all of this stuff is obviously it's very not going to, I'm not going to put a blanket statement because it's very case by case dependent. But for the most part, the root fix for all of this stuff is to manage your mind first. Before you even start to think about your, your 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 sleep habits and your and your and your exercise routine and what's the best diet, ketogenic or vegan or carnivore or Mediterranean diet or whatever, before you even give a fuck about any of that stuff, manage the mind first. Learn how to learn mindfulness. Mm. Learn strategies to control your stress, to bring yourself back down to a level state with your physiology and your nervous system. That's the foundation of the pyramid. And then you can work in the middle section. You can consider that your basic health stuff, your exercise, your nutrition, your your relationships, whatever. And then the top of the pyramid is all the specific stuff that you might want to do. Supplements, seeing this one specific doctor to, to get rid of the fucking fungus on your toe or whatever. Um, that top of the pyramid is for the, the, the specific stuff. But if you don't have the foundation, right, which, again, the foundation is mindfulness and learning how to learning strategies to bring yourself back down to a level state then anything above the pyramid that you try to work on, whether it's your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise, or the specific stuff you do with doctors is not going to work that well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, so for me, I got really lucky. I lost, I, I left my job. I, you know what I mean? I lost my job. I, and and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, you know, I, again, I talked about it previously, but you know, so that
1: was the trigger. That was the trigger for this whole cascade of events that you just described
0: yeah no it's okay so so basically you know long story short I was working at an audio tech company out here and um it was the the guys I was working with were great everybody was really great people but they didn't have any money and I was the procurement lead for them so you know I can't buy stuff if you don't have money sorry like if you can't pay your bills nobody's selling anything to us so I ended up leaving that company and I you know I've I've always been the sort of person where I think really far ahead right I never I never leap without looking, and so I knew I had to leave that company because it was a very stressful situation but it was manageable right I mean the guys that I worked with were great, um, but I just knew that it wasn't a long term you know place for me it wasn't a it wasn't going to be a long term job so I I started looking and and. I, I got it. I got an offer from another place for a lot more money than I was making. And they had money. So I was like, okay, great. But when I interviewed the manager, the, the, the girl who was going to be my manager, she was just, just not equipped to do her job. And I could tell, she just didn't have the personality required to manage other people. And, you know, I'm a 40, I'm a 40 year old man. I've managed teams before. I I know, you know everybody that i've ever managed told me that i was their their favorite manager because i think i understand personalities and i know how to work with people right and this was just a girl she just it wasn't that she didn't know how to manage personalities it was that she didn't care to and i could and i could see it she was just not a great person and so when i started working at that job they had me doing the work of you know like 3 people like from day 1 and that was that and and i was so stressed out dude like i was I, I can't explain it, man. Like I, I, it was like within the first month I was there, I realized like this place is going to put me in a hole like that. Like I was so exhausted every day. I could barely think straight. I could barely keep my eyes open and it just got worse and worse and worse from there. And there was just no, you know, was there was nobody to talk to about it in, in at the company where I worked because everybody in, in management were just so toxic and and hostile And I hate using the word toxic. I really mean it when I say toxic, like these were poisonous people and they were just so hostile. So I couldn't talk to anybody about what I was going through or, or that I couldn't manage the workload. And, you know, at the same time, like I said, I've always been somebody who thinks very far ahead into the future. And I have children, I'm married, like I'm not, I'm not some kid who can just leave a job and be okay and live in mom's basement for a while. Like I have, I have responsibilities. So, you know, I, I got stuck in this loop of like, thinking too far ahead and, 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 and just all of my stress and all of my worry kind of compounding. Right. Because it's like, well, if I leave this job, I got nothing else to go to, you know, I got money in the bank, but how long is that money going to last? You know, will I find anything else? Will I find, you know, will I find another opportunity? Meanwhile, my following on Substack and Twitter, which is now X was growing substantially. Like, dude, I'm telling you, like the stuff I was, I was writing was getting like a million reads, which I've never had that happen to me before. So it was kind of like, it was like a double edged sword, right? Because it was like, I knew that I had to jump. I knew I had to go after this full time sooner or later, but like, there was just so much uncertainty and so much unknown that I couldn't jump by myself because it's just being reckless in my mind. So eventually God stepped in and did it for me. That's exactly what happened. And dude, I was so close to the end. I was so close to the end of my life. I've in retrospect, like I, I, I was dying, bro. And I, I was trying to keep it together as best as I could. And I had this great opportunity ahead of me. I just, I was too afraid to do it on my own. So God stepped in and was like, you know what, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it for you. And he just kicked me over the edge. And now here I am talking to you. Right. But not a lot, a lot of people don't have that same that same luxury, right? Like I'm, I'm fortunate because, you know, I'm a writer and I'm pretty industrious. I can figure things out when I'm in a crunch. And I know that I can find money. I've always been good at finding money, but a lot of other people aren't, they're just regular everyday people. They're they're, They rely on their job. Their paycheck is their livelihood. So, so for people who are in that sort of scenario, I mean, how, how, what, what would you, I mean I go I know every case is different but what are some basic things people can do to manage those everyday stresses? Broad
1: it's a broad question. I mean I know it's so, where to go with so go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'll 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 start because it, um, there was one tool that I found in the summer of 2022 that really helped me and that was meditation. Meditation helped me tremendously. Um, I wasn't in the you know in the depths of you know the 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 immense stress that I was going through yet but um I had a I I I don't know if I told you about this but I had a I had a cardiovascular event after I took the first dose of the Novavax vaccine and um yeah and for people listening I only took it because my mother-in-law was in a coma in, in BC in Vancouver and I wasn't able to get on a airplane unvaccinated so fuck me yeah, so Novavax on paper looked like the best option to me. There's no way I was taking any of those mRNA vaccines. And I took the first dose and a week later my heart went fucking crazy, dude. Like crazy. Like I've never felt anything like that before. Like it was shallow beats and it was like it felt like there was a hummingbird in my chest. And uh yeah, dude, it the the event lasted for maybe 3 to 5 minutes, but it was it was it was significant enough that we had to call 911. And it Jesus. stopped. It stopped right before the operator sent the ambulance to us. And uh, and so uh, that was... Hold uh, on.
1: Sorry, well, let's pause for a second. Uh, this Because this is an interesting... Because we have to be uh, consistent in our thinking and our conversation always. Um, if we are to go with... The nocebo effect is real. The nocebo effect is the opposite of the placebo effect. Yeah. Me and you both know a lot of the risk factors that go into taking the recent covid vaccines Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i know people who were vaccine proponents so they wouldn't have got the nocebo effect Mm -hmm. that uh stroked out a few days after they got the vaccine right and you Mm -hmm. i'm sure you know the same amount of people Mm -hmm. um now we'll never be able to know but what is the likelihood that you experiencing these symptoms after the Novavax vaccine was because the, your subconscious already knows yeah. how fucking the potential. Yeah. Right. That it was that it's it interesting. Was, it's just an interesting part of the conversation.
0: No. And I don't, I don't discount that. And, and, you know, it's weird being in this position because yeah, I thought about that because the night that I got it, I sat on my couch and I was reading and it was just running through my mind. Like what the fuck did I just do to myself? You know, like we were in such a bad circumstance, right? Because we were, we had to get on a plane. We had to go to my mother-in-law. We had to, she was in a coma, man. And she was, she was at the tail end of cancer treatment. So it was like, she was as frail as you could possibly get. The doctors were like, this, the outlook is not good. And so it was like, we, we got to get there. Like, you know, my wife went first, but my wife went back and forth twice and she had to do 13 hours on a fucking bus. Cause it's 13 hours on the bus from Calgary to Vancouver. And the thing is, is it's like, we have enough money to pay for flights. You know what I mean? It's not like, and again, this isn't, I'm not trying to say anything about anybody who has to take the bus. Cause I've taken the bus before between provinces. Right. But, but it was like, well, like why go, why spend 13 hours traveling when you could do an hour on, on an airplane. And it was like, okay, well, you know, we got to do this. And my wife had to go back and forth a lot and losing an entire day. Each way was just, it was just not doable. And so honestly, the, the, the motivation behind me getting that first dose was just not letting my wife go down by herself. We're a fucking team. That's my partner. That's my best friend. So sure. she's going to, if she's going to get it, I'm getting it too. There's no way. But, um, but yeah, no, it is entirely possible that that, that that event occurred because my subconscious knew what I had done. And I was in, and I was, I was in real fear and you're absolutely right. That's the power of the human mind. And that, the 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 unfortunate part about it, and we can touch on this if you want to, is that I don't fucking trust our healthcare system to accurately tell me what happened. Because if it is oh, vaccine, dude, if it if it is vaccine related, I don't expect them to tell me that. And see, here's the thing, and I, I know a handful of people who are dealing with vaccine, these mRNA vaccine, actual real injuries now, who are being run through just again another loop. Of, of fuckery because the healthcare system refuses to admit what was the cause of the injuries that they've sustained. So they've been diagnosed with things that have not, no relation to what they're actually going through, right? So they're jumping from medication to medication, from treatment to treatment when we all know why they're, why they're there. We all know why it happened to them. And those fucking doctors do too, but they're not, they're not, they're not admitting it and diagnosing it correctly because they know what that implies.
1: Yep, and they want to keep their job, man. Everybody's just trying to hold on to their job,
0: but it's crazy, right? Because this, these are human lives that 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 you're fucking with here, you know. And so for myself, I never got in the ambulance, and I never went to the hospital and saw a doctor because I know that if it's if what I experienced was vaccine related, they're never going to tell me that, or chances are they won't. So they're going to say that I need to come in for this test on this, or they're going to try to give me a statin or something stupid that I don't need. And so I was like, you know what? I told myself after that, after that situation, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to monitor it. Um, I, and the other thing too, is I do have a pre-existing heart arrhythmia, right? So, but trust me when I tell you this was not the arrhythmia, this was, this was something entirely different, but going back to the original topic of conversation here, my wife recommended that I try meditation, you know, and I was always one of those guys. I thought it was kind of hokey. You know, I'm one of those dudes. I'm like, Oh, when am going to go sit in a fucking forest on a rock in a, in a waterfall <laughs> and you know, but I tried it. I started doing guided med- meditation and man, it was, it was, it was a huge help for me. Even just the five to 10 minutes at the end of every night that I did it, it just brought like, just, I can't explain it. It's like, almost like, like you're, like you're dropping weights off of you and kind of floating a little bit. That's how I felt, you know? Um, So, so, so that's one thing. And I I recommend that to everybody who, I mean, even if you're not going through incredible amounts of stress, even just taking five, 10 minutes to just sit quietly or lay quietly with no, with no stimulation and just close your eyes and let your brain take you for a ride. It's the best thing that you can do for yourself, stress or no stress. But if you're if you're going through a, 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 a large amount of stress, it's it is it, I, I actually I believe that it's that it's one of the best things you could do for yourself.
1: Fully agreed, man. Fully agreed. It is practice. It is how could you be kind of making an analogy out of this? It's like I don't fucking know. It's like training hard in the gym to develop your physical body so that when you have to go out and carry heavy groceries or run after the bus or climb up a flight of stairs without getting winded, you just do it just automatically without thinking about it because your physical body is just so fucking trained in that way. It's the same thing for your mind. Mindfulness is kind of like the, you can think of mindfulness as kind of like the, the fertilizer for cognitive performance and neuroplasticity mm-hmm. so it's the fertilizer for all good things related to the way your mind functions and the way to train it formally in the same way that the way, way to formally train your body is to go to the gym the way to train your mind formally is through meditation and it, in meditation you learn all of these ways of being mindful how to utilize beginner's mind to see things like this for the first time so you don't get caught and you don't get Caught in these loops of repetitive thinking and feeling, are you able to practice non-judgment, to just watch the thoughts and emotions as they go by without adding your own bullshit to it, which always makes it worse? Are you able to practice non-striving, where you're not just white knuckling through life and you're trying so hard for the sake of trying that it actually makes things worse? Mm -hmm. Are you practicing acceptance, that whatever is going on in your life you can't change, but what you can change? Is your is your your perception of it, or whether or not you're willing to actually fully accept what's going on? So that takes off a lot of the weight that you just described as you're meditating. It feels like weights are coming off. Are you able to practice trust? And you've, we talked about this before we started the podcast. Just trusting in the inherent goodness of the universe that things are going to pan out as long as you're willing to work hard and be open and honest with yourself and with others. Things are going to work out. Are you willing to practice patience? That's something that, 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 that you train yourself uh, with uh, during meditation, practicing patience, because sometimes meditation can be boring. Sometimes it feels like a waste of time. Can you practice patience? And finally, can you practice, the most important one, letting go? The things, especially for a guy like you, who you already said uh, several times already, you're the type of dude who's always link, uh, looking 10 steps down in the future 10 years down the future 25 years whatever it may be 25 years isn't even here yet and it's great to plan ahead highly recommend that everybody should plan ahead actually but if all your time is spent thinking about the future and you're unable to let those thoughts go then you're fucked man you have a zero percent chance of coming back to reality coming into your own body and getting that physiology to relax so mindful or sorry meditation is formal practice for mindfulness and then you can carry that mindfulness with you for the rest of the day for the rest of your life but it all starts with the meditation because how else are you going to practice it
0: yeah oh yeah um man you said something uh right there that uh you know is i i for the first time in my life am living right now it's the first time in my life i've ever lived right now i was always thinking about tomorrow next week next month the year after what's going to happen and and you know, you, you, you made, you made a great point there. Like, I feel like at 40 years old, I'm living for the first time. It's like, I'm actually living. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being in the moment because like with this podcast, with my writing, with, with jumping into everything head first, there's so much uncertainty ahead of me. If I think about it, I I'm going to have a mental fucking breakdown. Right. So, so I basically had to, to scale my window. All the way down to like right now, like today, where am I? What am I doing? What can I What can I do today to progress further, to take a step further toward the things that I love and establishing myself, uh, you know, so that I never have to go back to doing what I hate for a paycheck, right? And a big part of that, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but a big part of that has been my faith in God. You know, um, you were talking about being honest with yourself. And, man, I didn't realize until about five or six months ago that I hadn't been honest with myself probably ever. That I was always trying to control everything because I was worried about what would happen if I didn't have control. And that that in that trying to maintain control of everything – my life became more chaotic and that I was never completely honest with myself and that I was afraid of the future. Right. And so just, just being, that was what led me to God really was, was me going, you know, I'm really afraid of what's going to happen like a month from now or two months from now. Will I even be alive? Will I even be here? Well, you know, if you're alone and you're you're just kind of you're 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 centered on yourself and yourself is the only thing that's really connected to this world and this and this universe right if you're just alone i don't know how to explain it like a like a lone peg right and there's nothing above nothing below and it's just you well then yeah there's a lot of anxiety around what happens to that lone peg but if you know that you're anchored to something or there's something greater that's 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 flowing around you. Right. And you're not alone. And it was, totally get it was it, man. yeah. And it was, I, I mean, I know I'm not explaining this well, but I, I, it was, I was just realized, like, I've never been honest about my own fear and my own, my anxieties about the future. And it was putting my faith in God and letting go of control and just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hand my life over to that greater power and and whatever it decides for me is what it decides. And just completely 100% surrendering to it. I, I honestly, like, I, I know that there's a lot of people listening to this who, who aren't believers or, you know, who, who don't, don't see themselves traveling along that path. But I'm telling you, like for me, it was, it was life-changing.
1: I, uh, Man, I can, I can say that I experienced the exact same thing of coming to terms with. Because, okay, it's like the story that you told, the story that, that I've told about my concussion. It's very similar. Um, each of us has a history of mental health problems, as does every, anybody who lives on planet Earth. And we go through life managing, for the most part, very, very well these problems until there's a thing that happens that's a massive stressor you taking on the job and having the role of having to take on put on three hats every single day while trying to take care of your family because you just moved to alberta not too not too uh, not too long ago um big stressor comes and it crushes you same for me big stressor comes huge massive brain injury crushes me and in order for us to, in the, the, the only way that we were able to build ourselves back up was to come to terms with the fact that we've been living scared our entire lives. Yeah. Before, before if you don't accept that, then you're not going to accept fully that you have any kind of responsibility for how you're feeling Or that you'll never accept the fact that the way you're feeling is in large part due to your mind. But once you can accept the fact that you've just been living scared, and it's that fear that's been causing you to make poor decisions, irrational decisions. um, And it's that fear that's been causing these these physical symptoms to manifest. Well, then you can't fucking get better, man. That's the reason, right right here you can. Bottom corner, unscared. I try Mm -hmm. to remind myself every day unscared because yeah man like and here's the other here's the other part of it too right which is that when you're living life scared you get a lot done right i know i work really fucking hard i know you work really hard too Hmm. and for probably most of our lives that was fueled by a large amount of fear which is good it's great to be productive but how long can you use that fear as a fuel source before you fall apart? Mm-hmm. So that's actually, when if we're talking, if we're having this as a conversation, I would actually like to know about you. Like, what is your motivation now? If it's not fear that's, pro- that's propelling you to, to to take care of your your wife and your kids and to and to grow uh, the business ventures that you're growing, then mm-hmm. what is fueling it now?
0: Lo- love. And it's the craziest part. You, you, I, exactly right when you said it I knew the answer it's love it's like I love my wife and I love my children and I want to provide the best the best life for them but I also love life I also love being here and you know the role that I've kind of found myself in is you know I think a lot the same place a lot of people find themselves now people who are outspoken we kind of find ourselves speaking out against this evil and corruption that seems to have taken over our world and you know i asked myself that question this morning because the the larger my readership and the 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 more people are watching this the, the larger this whole thing grows the the more nervous i should be because i know that i'm poking at the eye of sauron you know i know that there's there's this thing that's out there that wants to control everything that made a real run for it with covid-19 and now that the dust has settled around the pandemic we're running headfirst into this global totalitarian system and i'm one of the people i'm just one of many voices that's out there speaking out against it and trying to stop it but it's the reason i'm doing it is because i lo- because of love Because I want the world to have love in it. Because if there's no love in the world, then what the fuck are we here for? You know what I mean? And like, the reason I'm talking to you, I love you, brother. I love you. Like, I fucking love you. And like, I don't talk to people that I don't find interesting or to people that I don't love. And that's a big, been a big component of my life today is I've cut out all the things that I don't love. And all the people that I don't love, you know, and so my circle is really, really, really small. And the people that I communicate with on my in my personal life is very, very, very small, but it's because I've committed my life to love. And that only happened once I got rid of the fear.
1: I would absolutely. I came to the exact same conclusion. It's crazy, dude, two different circumstances, you come to the exact same conclusion, exact same learning lessons.
0: How did you get there?
1: Just realizing that, so obviously, big brain injury makes, creates a ton of symptoms, but realizing that the reason I struggled so much with disability was because the concussion had already, was was just amplifying the fear that I already deal with on a daily basis. And so again, I had to come to terms that, oh, as much as I hate to admit it, I've been fueled by fear my whole life. Fear of being a failure. Fear of being not enough. Fear of not living up to my expectations. Fear of, fear of being a bitch. Just fear of everything. That's what fueled me. Mm-hmm. And coming to understand that if I can continue down that path, It's not it's not gonna end well. It's just yeah. not gonna be sustainable, period. I'm just gonna burn out and fizzle out and, and die. That's it. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I thought that love was my fuel source. And again, this goes back to being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Said it all the time. Yeah, I do what I do because I love it, which is absolutely true. But underneath that was actually I do what I do because I don't want to be perceived as useless or as fragile or as frail or as an unproductive unproductive member of society or just just trash um so yeah man the way i came to that conclusion is is just honesty mm-hmm. i said that i did everything i did out of club which is very true but underneath that which was a much more powerful motivator was that fear and so I mean, it's not rocket science. You, you just figure out that if you take out the fear part, then you're just fueled by love. And if you're just fueled by love, then you have in infinite. You can go. You can go forever. You can just keep going and keep going and keep going forever, and it doesn't feel like a burden.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, look, I, I'll tell you this. I I sat down in front of my at my desk this morning at eight a.m. and I'll be here until six thirty p.m. and I won't even notice the time pass. You and I have been talking for almost an hour and I haven't even noticed it feels like 15 minutes because I love this. You know what I mean? I love writing. I love, and that's the thing too, is the thing that I've also discovered is, you know, sometimes you got to take breaks. Sometimes you got to say, okay, I today I'm not gonna do it. Today I'm I'm I, you know, if, if it feels like I'm doing it because I have to do it, then I'm not gonna do it, you know? And that's basically the, the, the route that I've gone is that I'm only doing what I love and I'm only putting love into the world. Even when it seems like I'm putting anger or frustration or hate into the world, it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from love. It you know, that's the thing. I think a lot of people, they, 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 they misinterpret love. They think that it's all care bears and hearts and rainbows, but love is a love can be a weapon. Love is a sword too, you know? It's a, you know, the way I I always explain it is like, you put my hand on my child, you're going to feel love, you're going to feel the fucking full force of it. You know what I mean? I will send you to the outer, I will send you to the outer realms in love with a big kiss goodbye. But that'll be love, that'll be the love for my child that you feel enter your fucking body. You know what I mean? Then that's not tough talk. That's what I'm saying, right? That's the power of love. And so you know, I'm, I, man, it's weird because it's like, dude, I, I always cherish our conversations with each, with each other. And you always, you always push me to, to kind of like search for things a little bit when we talk. And this was another one that I was, dude, you, you pushed me there today, man. You're, I love it, bro. You're wise beyond your years. Um, I don't even know, you know, oh, fuck dude. I, also, I, can I
1: say one thing though? Like, yeah. I want to say one thing, which is that uh we talked a lot about things that are Sometimes a little, especially for probably the people that, that consume my content and the people that consume your content, right. meditation, a little airy-fairy, mindfulness, yeah. um, flowers and waterfalls and whatever, uh, even love, right? But all of this stuff is like, forget the airy-fairiness of it all. It's very fucking pragmatic. Because mm-hmm. what, what, what caught my attention was when you said that uh, when, when you're not feeling it on certain days, you're exhausted, you're whatever. You don't force yourself to do it because you love yourself enough to actually take care of yourself to take that one day off because you know the next day is going to be there and you know that you're committed to this thing for life so one day off to have 10 times better productivity the next day Mm -hmm. doing that out of love that's not you just having a fucking just jerking yourself off that act of self-love is actually very pragmatic Mm -hmm. because you love the path that you're on you're doing it out of love you're trying to be Of service to others and the only way to do that is to love yourself enough to admit like dude i can't push today i actually have to fucking bring myself again talking about the teeter-totter i'm a little bit too sympathetic today i gotta bring myself back to baseline so that i can fucking push it really hard for the next 30 days all of this stuff meditation mindfulness love super pragmatic even if you don't give a fuck about wooden beads and fucking candles and warm baths with bubbles all that shit they're making me feel warm inside
0: (laughs) Um, yeah no for sure dude and and like that's the thing is you know going back to the god aspect i think i think it's because we have real and and you know i fall for this sometimes too i think we all have a very superficial understanding of very deep concepts i think that's 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 most human beings that's most of us and so it's like You know, when you talk about God, everybody goes, oh, God, I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to, you know, have where, you know, have a rosary hanging over my bed. And I I don't know. I don't even know if I could really get down with that. And it's like, but that's not God, right? Like, it's a mechanism to connect to God, right? It's a conduit, but it's not the only one. And I think that that's the part that I think that most of us are missing is that, is that what works for me might not work for Patrick Koo. What works for Patrick Koo might not work for the next guy, but it's where God is. God's like, I was, I was trying to explain it the other day. and And I think I got it. God is the only entity in our universe that is both subjective and objective at the same time. Right? So God is at least in my, the way I interpret it is it's your conscience. God is inside of you. It's, it's that, that, that in the in in the Bible in the Bible in the Old Testament is described as the still small voice. But what they're alluding to is your your own conscience. That's the way God talks to you, is inside of yourself. But God is also objective. You can observe acts of God, right? So it's subjective and objective at the same time because it's everywhere. It's it's all encompassing, right? And it's just waiting to be found. So wherever you, wherever, wherever you find it is where it's there for you, right? Now, Pat, that might be. You know for 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 Pat, that might be the top of you know, whatever your favorite mountain that you love to hike when you overlook all of British Columbia and the ocean and you get to breathe in that clean air and that moment of like, fuck, yeah, man, I'm here. That might be where you find it. For me, it might be in the it might be in the thousands of pages that I write. It might be in there. It might be in the eyes of my children, you know, but it but it's but it's wherever you find it. And just make sure you have that connection and you establish that, you know, and I, and I think going back to mindfulness, I think that's a big part of mindfulness is knowing that, that you're serving something greater than yourself and yourself at the same time. Right. That
1: I completely agree, man. What is, and to add to that, what is one commonality of all of these examples that you just gave in that's how you can experience God when you're 20 pages deep into a three hour writing session, or when you're at the top of a mountain, you got this panoramic beautiful view and you just busted your ass to get up there physically. What's the commonality is that it's in those moments that you are absolutely completely unequivocally in the here and now completely present. So in that regard, I am of the opinion that, that experience of pure presence is your connection to God is you actually being able to experience God, Mm -hmm. which is why personally I'm addicted to things like snowboarding and hiking and running and combat sports and writing as well and meditation and doing all of these things where I'm just trying to get my next little hit of God. I'm trying to get that next little hit of complete presence to remind myself of the beauty of this whole fucking thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's it. It's just the beauty of it all and marveling at it and the beauty of struggle, you know, the beauty of overcoming something. Like, you know, even in your lowest darkest moments, you know, they always say, Well, you know, God is there for you in your in your lowest, darkest moments. And I think that people always interpret it as being like there's some sort of external spirit that's gonna come and and fix everything for you, but that's not it. It's that. You're going through that to get to where you're going next, and you just got to have faith that the next spot, the next checkpoint, right, is going to, it's going to be away from where you are now, so you just got to let it, let it all take shape, let it, let the path, let the path unfold in front of you, and just go, right, and so, and, and dude, that's the big lesson that I've learned this year, it's changed my entire life, brother, I am 40 years old, I am halfway through this journey if I'm lucky. And I feel like I just learned how to live, you know? And it's like, it's such an eye opener and it's changed me so profoundly in so many ways because I don't I don't have like a lot of the old hangups and a lot of the old bullshit that I was carrying around. Now, I still have some bullshit. I think we all do. We all have a bit of baggage, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think I'll ever get rid of my bullshit. But I think that, I'm lighter I'm traveling lighter now you know and it's nice it's beautiful and 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 man I'm so glad to see your face today because you're a face that I've missed and you know it's like dude dude, I go to your Instagram page and you know I'm one of those selfish pieces of shit I watch all your videos and I forget to like everything and it's not till fucking (laughs) 20 minutes later when I'm in my car and I'm driving and I'm like I just watched 10 of Pat's videos and I didn't like a single one of them to try to boost them up in the algorithm. I'm going to, I, I, I I, I, I'm going to start doing that because I feel like such a selfish piece of shit. I feel like I should at least be boosting your visibility a little bit, but
1: good, man. Like we said, I do the shit out of love, man. The more people can have a fuller understanding of health and physical performance, the better the whole fucking thing is, man. But The better but, the whole fucking thing is.
0: Bro, you've been like a monk, a sage in my life. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you today. And I want to encourage everybody to go to your to your Instagram page, thoughtful meathead and just watch the videos because you take such a practical approach, you know. And the thing is, is it's like we talk I think we've talked about this before, but like you can you can watch, you know, social media influencers or fitness gurus and they'll give you the the fucking you know the, the the big pep talk the you got to do 100 miles or you know swim across the the pacific ocean and you know and 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 so many people are like man like that's admirable but i can't do that and the thing that i love about you is that everything that you talk about is practical is like hey here's a tiny little small thing that you can do that will dramatically change your your results in your life and um I want to ask you just before cuz I know you got a client coming up. Where did that come from? Where did that approach come from? Like what 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 made you take that approach to to just overall wellness and fitness?
1: It's a cop out answer, but it's the tr- it's the truest answer is that that's the only way that you can see results that's the only way you can get results and have them and sustain those results. It's the only way. Mm. So, so, I mean, to, to answer your question, I do things the way that I do them because it works the best because you're not taking a shortcut that's going to lead to your demise three, four years down the road, or Mm. you're not checking off the boxes of X, Y, and Z, whatever you care about, Meanwhile, you forgot that the whole reason you were chasing that fucking marathon goal was to improve your relationships with you, your wife and kids. And meanwhile, you're still a fucking It's the only way. Treating and, and looking at the human from, from, from a fully zoomed out perspective and seeing their relationships and their physical function and their mental function and, and their purpose and their, their, their mindset and everything like that. It's the only way to actually get results sustainably. So that's why I do it that way.
0: Yeah, brother. Well, please keep doing what you're doing, man. You took, we didn't even get to talk about the sabbatical that you took from social media. And I would, let's do this again very soon. Cause I actually wanna, I wanna go into that with you because, because I'm, I was fascinated. You took a year away from social media. You didn't plug in Instagram. I was checking too. I was like, I wanna see if, I wanna see if Paz, if he's gonna be able to do it. And you did it, man. You were gone for a fucking year. And it sucked cause I had to keep watching the same hundred videos over and over and over. <laughs> but, but, um,
1: but there's a lot to talk about we'll get we'll get to it on the next one for sure because uh i mean the little teaser is just that like if you are dealing with something severe in your life and you're trying to fix yourself in one in in some kind of way mm-hmm. get the fuck off social media it's just not going to help you um and then when you are able to take care of yourself and be a fully functioning human again then go back on social media not necessarily as a consumer but just try to spread the love
0: beautiful beautiful let's let's i dude we're going to do this very soon i'm uh we'll we'll talk offline but i'm going to have you back because i I think that's a bigger discussion um pat before you run where does where can everybody find you
1: thoughtful me ahead on instagram is always a good one and uh if you want to check out uh, my services and i got to a lot of blog posts about different health topics as well on my website pk health
0: and again i recommend pat's writing he's a fucking brilliant writer take it from me this guy is a good writer i read his stuff um again i don't i don't hit the like button because i'm a selfish piece of shit but i'm going to start <laughs> doing that more often and leaving comments and stuff but um pat thank you so much for doing this today man I, I i really enjoyed this conversation you're one of my favorite people to talk to brother and and it's so good to see you healthy and see you doing well man i'm i'm honestly you're like You know, I I don't I don't not hope that anybody's successful, but when you're one of the guys that I cheer for that, I'm like, when I see good things happening for, I'm really fucking happy because nobody deserves it like you deserve it, man.
1: Really appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me on, too, dude. I always love doing this stuff with you.
0: Of course, brother. Okay, hang around. We'll say our goodbyes privately. And uh, but yeah, we'll have you back real soon. And we'll go into that into that uh, social media subject. Okay, sounds good, dude.